Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my very special co-host tonight, the very talented psychic medium, George Lugo. George, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, I'm thrilled you're here, and just so everybody knows, a PK had a death in the family. She had to take off for California for the funeral, but we decided that George could join the girls tonight, be one of us, and I can't think of a better co-host than you, George. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show with me tonight. We've got a very special guest. Thank You're welcome. We are going to bring him on in a little while. His name is... Reverend Lowell K. Smith, and he has written a new book called Growing Up Psychic, What Every Parent and Child Should Know About Psychic Sensitivity. Very important work, and we're going to really ask, we have so many questions for Lowell, so we're going to get going on that. But first, George, you and I, we've got to revisit the Observatory in New Mexico, because that is one wild story, and we're still looking for answers, are we not? We are, yeah, it's definitely a hot spot right now, and it's being kept, you know, hush-hush, kind of sweep it under the carpet, but people are too smart these days, you know, they're looking into it deeply, and they're trying to find the smoking gun, so to speak, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a wild card right now out there. It really is, and I wanted to let everybody know that we went a little bit further with Corby Mitleid, who's a great tarot reader. She did a reading last week on the show, and also PK did the numbers. And so we followed up uh, again this week with new information because what it looked like from what our associates were telling us, you know we have some contacts in the underground, and they were saying that there are underground facilities all throughout New Mexico, and they are connected by a group of tunnels. Now, I know this for a fact because one of my associates was there when one of these facilities was being built, and it was 15 stories underground. So he said, I know for a fact it was there because I was there when they were building it. So that we can confirm. Now, the story goes that they have live ETs in some of these facilities, and one of them got out. Now, if you think about it, all of the facts that were reported For example, Black Hawk helicopters, FBI agents, evacuations, leaving out local law enforcement. The ET theory seems to fit that, don't you think, George? Absolutely. Yep. They're really, uh, you know, blocking all information from leaking out and and anyone from looking in. And, you know, that's kind of unheard of under normal circumstances, but they're really shutting the whole thing down. You know, they don't want anybody looking into it. 
Exactly right. And they also closed down two post offices, which was odd. And, of course, the official story is that the janitor was caught doing something illegal, disseminating pornography or something like that. But nobody's buying the story. Because why would the FBI be involved like this? Why were there no charges filed? There's just too many questions about that particular cover story. And actually, my law enforcement friend told me he was embarrassed that they issued such a horrible cover story. (laughs) He said, that's nuts. And he just started laughing. So anyhow, uh, we're still looking into this. And one of the things that we looked further into with PK were the numbers regarding this janitor. So she looked at his name. She looked at all the numbers and she came back to me and said, listen, I got to tell you, there's no way in heck this guy was involved in something like that. I can tell by looking at the numbers of his name. She said, no way. So it doesn't fit from her perspective as a numerologist. Now there's one other piece of information here that also doesn't make sense. And we don't even know for sure if it's connected but it's about the Belgian tourist who was found dead at White Sands National Monument, half mile from the trailhead. Now, it's been over two weeks, and they have not released his name. According to my law enforcement people, they said that's extremely odd. That is very unusual. And there's no cause of death given. Also very unusual. So... I called up Corby and I said, "Okay, Corby, take a look at this again. What do you think?" And she said, "What I'm, what I see with this man who was who was dead, they found him unresponsive at, at night and they brought him to the hospital. He died." She said, "I see a wound, a wound on his chest or neck." But she said, "I, you'll never hear the real story," and that's something that PK has said all along. She said, "The only thing you can trust is that they're going to lie about it." So that's as far as we've gotten. Now, George, I wanted to ask you, too, because I know you're a great and renowned psychic medium. Were you able to pick up anything at all on this Belgian tourist? Yeah, the thing that I got about that is that these wounds you're talking about, they're internal. They're not even exposed on the outside of the skin. I feel like something was ruptured on the inside. Um, I can't leave any evidence in a sense. So they could... Somebody or something, you know, just he got he was in the way and just wrong place, wrong time, and ended it. So you you, don't, you may never find out, but I kind of feel that something was stopped within him, like ruptured within him. And mm-hmm. um, so the open wound thing, I feel it's internal, not external. So um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, Very and you know he's guy. he's he's up he's yeah he's being dissected and looked at and all that stuff. Poor guy. And, uh, you know, his family doesn't know he's gone yet, or they probably suspect him because they haven't heard anything from him. But he was alone at the time, right? Is that correct? Yes, he was alone. So I just wondered if he ran into that ET or, you know, something of that nature, or he had some knowledge of it, and uh, they had to take him out to shut him up, I guess. So it could be either way. way Yeah, Yeah, that's very, I agree with you. Very suspicious, and it could be either one of those things you just mentioned. He could have been a loose end. He might have visited the observatory earlier, and maybe he saw something that they didn't want him to see, and so he was he needed to be uh, off. But that's a possibility, or the ET also uh, might have been involved in some way. We don't know. I mean, not all ETs are friendly, and certainly if there was right. an ET that was 
captive. I can't imagine he was happy about it. So, you know, leaving yeah. that facility, he, he could have encountered this, this person and, and then off it went. But it's a very interesting situation, and I think people shouldn't turn away from it. We should keep looking at it and keep digging because eventually we're going to find out the truth. And one of these days, I'll get a name. And when I have a name of the Belgian tourist, George, I'm calling you up, and we're going to see if we can find him on the other side and get more information yeah. directly from him. But I know yeah. it's tough without I, a name. It's hard to get the vibration. Right. Well, that, that's not too much. You just kind of feel the – you just have to feel it out. You know, another thing I think is odd is that this E.T. left an odor behind. It, it just yes. left this particular odor. That's unusual. And that's something you usually don't hear about because, you know, media, you know, you don't really smell anything on media. But when they say this E.T. left an odorous, you know, thing behind him or permeated the facility with it, that's unusual. That's really unusual to me. It is. And, also, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, also the uh, the facility he was in, these – it's almost like catacombs underground, but they're big enough to uh, use like a 45-foot semi. They go up and down. They go from station to station underground in these tunnels. I mean, it's huge, and it's networked all over the place. I get the feeling that there's one stretch of it that's 40, I want to say 49 miles exactly long wow. to reach the other end wow. of it. My so, God, that's huge. It, yeah, it's very big, yeah, and so... Um, and as far as being underground that deep, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, it would be that deep. And just heaven, you know, just think about it. I mean, all the things that could be down there, wow, besides, you know, uh, probably do uh, reverse engineering on shifts that they've got. Um, you know, it's funny, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Utah, parts of California, um, they all have this attraction. I think there's such open spaces there, you know, big open deserts and uh real clear for doing things. I remember living in Arizona. I saw things in the sky that I couldn't, you know, uh, you know, figure out. Like it, things would fly over us at night and would black out the stars. But it usually was like a triangular shape. I remember it flying over. You know, uh, some friends of mine, they were having a barbecue in their backyard, and they invited me over. And they like to get up on the roof and stargaze. So we're all up there on the roof. And then all of a sudden, this the stars getting blocked out. We're looking up. And there's this big black triangle flying right over the house, and that was right downtown Tucson. And, oh my uh, God! The, and the funny thing about it is that we're looking up, and it looked like the end of like cigarette, uh, like a cigarette embers. Yeah. Uh, there was a poppy, poppy six of them underneath this black thing, but you could barely see them, and you can kind of see the heat waves. And and it flew over the house. I don't know how high up it was. It wasn't. I mean, it was enormous. It covered the entire house and blacked out the, the stars. And we all saw it at the same time. And everybody got real quiet. And they said, "Did you just see what I? You know?" And yeah, we just didn't get over it. But they're around. They're all over the place. You know. They're well, they close. are. They, they run silent. And I yeah. can see where it's become extremely difficult for the government to continue to tell these tales so that they don't exist and we're all crazy. That just doesn't fly anymore. But, again, I think we should we should keep digging. And if anybody in our audience has anything to share about this, please feel free to send us an email. You can find me on supernaturalgirls with a Z.com. 
My email's there. You can also call the show tonight. It's 563-999-3539. 563-999-3539. I'll continue to report on this, and I expect to have more information next week. So we'll see what else we can find. But it is one heck of a story. And as I mentioned, my law enforcement associates who've been on, on the fringes with this, they cannot believe the ridiculous story that is being spun around it. It makes no sense to them, and they're just laughing because they think and people are not that stupid, like you said, George. They're not going to buy it anymore. So Yeah, you know, like that type of cover-up is sort of uh, obsolete now, you know, with media the way it is. <laughs> so, it's, you know, so cutting edge, you know, everybody's kind of transparent. So it, uh, they can, they'll find out. They'll find out what's going on. And you'll get a spin oh, yeah. on it probably, but you'll get closer to the truth, you know. Well, yeah, and so. as, as PK said, come October, which is right around the corner, things are going to start coming out whether they want them to or not. So we have to keep our eyes and ears open and be able to sort through all of it. We certainly know they and exist. Get <laughs> yeah, get and get ready. Yeah, get ready. Get ready. Right. Be open-minded. Yeah, be yes. open-minded about a lot of this. You know, so that's right. This but, is um, time to so open hopefully up. we won't have, yeah. Hopefully we won't have any visitors like uh, Men in Black tomorrow, or you know, have black helicopters <laughs> flying over house because we're talking about this. Now, Lowell, are you sure you want to be here? You know, so uh, yeah. That's anyway, good. no, it's it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, well, if if we'll we disappear, fine. everybody, you'll know why. So <laughs> it's not because yeah. you wanted to disappear. Right. So anyway, well, we've got a great guest tonight. Now, this is a topic we have not covered on our show, George. This is the first time we're really talking about this in depth. And we're talking about it with Reverend Lowell Smith. And he's a gifted intuitive who helps others gain valuable insights into life's purpose, career options, talents, relationships, health, and medical conditions, finances, all the top ones, personal issues, and belief systems. With his ability to read auras and energy patterns, Lowell's special interest is in helping today's children understand their unique strengths and powers as indigo and crystal children. Lowell's purpose is to educate and train these indigos and those who live and work with them in the importance of understanding metaphysical laws. Well, Lowell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. And I'm, you know, when we, you and I were talking, I was surprised that we never really talked about this on our show. So you're giving us a great opportunity to talk about the special needs of psychic children, as well as your own experience. Because one of the things George and I were discussing before the show is, my goodness, you have survived one of the most difficult childhoods I think I've ever heard about. So God bless you. That Thank was you. a tough one. My goodness. Every time you shared something, they were there to literally beat you down because of it. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah, well, that was what I chose to come into. Well, that's a kind way of saying it. <laughs> so you, yeah, you know, you and I feel that it kind of puts you on full alert, you know, as a child, and it brings out any gift that you may have, you know, and yours have been really obvious to you, I guess. And, you know, that's, that's pretty amazing what you've been through. Yeah. And survived. Well, the, the, you know, being born psychically sensitive, I often say the very first memories I have are of my mother's lights. 
because uh-huh. of the oil. And uh, she, she and I used to talk, and she'd say, yeah, when I was a baby, I would play with her lights, and she knew it because she was psychically sensitive herself. And uh, so uh, that's my first memories. And, of course, the, uh, I saw angels all the time, dead people, and, you know, they were just part of life. Correct. So it wasn't, it wasn't until uh, that my I went to live with my grandfather. I was sent away at, two, at about two and a half to a foster home for several years, and then uh, my father's father, who was in the war at the time, uh, came and got me and my brother, and uh, we went to live with him. And he was a hellfire and, bra- hellfire and brimstone Baptist person who literally thought I was possessed by the devil. I mean, I, I oh, no. The Terrible. poor guy, when when uh, when I would talk about uh, his dead mother and his dead grandmother and his dead uncle, and they would tell me stories about him, he would get really furious and spank me. But anyway, so that was just part of it. So I ended up having to turn the gift off when I was about six years old because he accused me of killing a man. Uh, and then I didn't have it again until I met my mom again when I was 15. And that's when it really started uh, turn came fully turned on, and I've been actively involved in seeking and, and searching and reading, etc. Ever since. You know, you just the, said something. Oh, yes. This is kind of interesting. You said um, when I was 15, it got fully turned on. So that you know, I know that you can kind of try to quit doing it or shut it away or try to ignore it, but it's always there, and you always get a sense of it being there. And you can right. kind of suppress it, but so then when you re- you know when you met your mom again and she brought that out in fifty at, at the age of fifteen, it must have been like a tidal wave coming back for you. Well, it scared the shit out of me. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was seeing all kinds of things that I didn't understand, and uh, she would gently talk me through them, and so I, you know, became very familiar with what that whole domain and I began as as some people say walking in both worlds simultaneously. Yes. Um, well, and in your you book too one of the things that I I thought was so interesting Lowell is that you uh, you have the ability to see into many realms. So it's for for you it's not just the angelic realm, it's not just the fairy and little people realm, it's not just the people that have passed over, but you have the ability to see into all these realms as you've had them since it being a child. So that's quite a remarkable gift that you have. So I can see where you want to help other children with this who may have all of what you have or maybe one piece of it. So it's really great work that you're involved in. Well, the, I started the Indigos and Sensitive Support Group in Fairfax Unity Church back in the late 90s, uh, shortly after the Indigo Children book came out, because one of my students in my Search for God study group had two children that were Indigos, and she wanted a, to create a forum that would allow them to experience their own sensitivities, etc. So... And uh, I began lecturing on indigos and psychically sensitive kids and stuff like that. And I ran that for like 13 years before I moved out here to Arizona full-time in 2017. But uh, let me talk a little bit about the the New Age kids. In in 1972, 
I had moved to the uh, uh, Virginia, moved to Virginia, and was involved in an ARE Search for God study group. And two of my friends had two two girls, and they and she was pregnant with a third. And when that third child was born, that child's energy pattern was different than any I had seen up until that time. And when I say huh. energy pattern, uh, I see auras as pallets of energy that are constantly moving and changing as the person's thinking process changes, et cetera. I don't see the layer, seven layers that people talk about. I can see, I can distinguish that, but, but to me it's more in terms of how they play together. And that's what Correct. I call it. And, and what I noticed in this child is hers was different. And I was told by my spirit guides, because I'm in constant contact with them, uh, that this was a new pattern that I needed to pay attention to. And uh, the, uh, as she grew, she was very psychically sensitive. She talked about, she was two years old, and she's telling her mom where who her previous mother was and where she lived and stuff like that. And uh, when she talked to me, she mostly asked me questions about heaven. Do you remember heaven? Uh, and so it was a delight to talk to her. And, uh, but she had a very defiant kind of energy. Well, I just called that pattern a new age kid. I felt, well, here's my two friends who are very spiritually aware. It'd be natural that they would draw that kind of energy person to themselves. But then right. some of my friends who in my neighborhood who I knew who were not spiritually aware, began having those kinds of kids as well. And I began noticing that. And then many of my spiritually oriented people still had kids that didn't have that pattern. So I knew it was different. I get that confirmation. And as I said, I just started calling them new age kids. And uh, it wasn't until 1998 when uh, Carolyn Tober wrote the book, Indigo Children, The New Kids Have Arrived, and I began reading it and realizing what she was describing and what you know, Nancy Ann Taffy, who, who coined the term indigo children, uh, uh, were writing about. And that was very much like what I had been seeing. And I, had, I actually had the opportunity when I did an indigo's workshop at Unity of Fairfax, uh, one of the participants was a person who was a personal friend of Nancy Ann Tappy. And uh, she began questioning me when I saw them and all that good stuff. And it, it turned out, it corresponded very directly with what Nancy had observed. So she had Nancy as a guest a few weeks later, and I was invited, me and another friend were invited to participate. And Nancy and I had a, a really nice conversation. Well, Nancy was someone who had a a condition called synesthesia, which is the ability to see auras with her physical eyes. And there's a book called The Man Who Tastes Shapes. And it's a synesthetic process where the brain processes. He didn't uh, taste sweet and sour, etc. He tasted cubes and squares and stuff like that. Well, mm. her sense she had a psychic sense of what the aura was, but she also had this synesthetic sight. And she wrote a whole book on, on uh, your color patterns or whatever. Now, when she was referring to the indigo as the 
color of the Torah. Whereas when I look, it's the shape and the pattern of how the lights play together. Yes, there's a lot of indigo in that aura pattern, but it's not just that it's an all indigo aura pattern. There's still purples and blues and oranges and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, and in 1980-something, uh, I met a lady who had two children, one of the five-year-old who was an indigo. He was clearly an indigo. But her youngest son, who was about three at the time, was a very softer energy. And I just began calling it a softer new age kid. This kid, one of his first questions or statements to me was, boy, you have beautiful lights or pretty lights, I think is what he he put it. And I knew he could see, because I can see when other kids can see and other people can see energy patterns. And I can see when they can't see them, but they can sense them. I have that ability to distinguish that. So what I do with kids these days is I help them understand what they are seeing is real. It may not be in the physical domain, but it is real. It's real for them and they're aware of it. And I try to help them distinguish what those colors and patterns mean and how to interpret it, how not to be afraid of it, how not to be considered weird because I'm weird and I know that. But I'm, but I'm also, a, I'm also a fully trained electrical engineer and nuclear physicist with two masters. <laughs> so I'm very scientifically oriented. My scientific mm-hmm. bent, though, does not does not tell me what I'm seeing is not real. It tells me, in fact, it simply means that we don't have an ability, scientifically wise, to measure or understand it. We're beginning to get that more and more. But so these new age kids, these kids coming in, the indigo started coming in in the early 70s. I saw my first one in 72. They're still coming in, but their pattern is changed. Uh, The pattern is evolving. Like one of the things I'm noticing is a lot of the indigos have a lot of crystalline characteristics as well. And the crystalline energy is a softer new age kids. That was uh, coined by uh, uh, Doreen Virtue. So I use the term indigos and crystals because that's the term that Carol and Tober used, and that's the term that the, basically the industry uses today. So I refer to that that way. But it's a softer indigo energy, uh, yet there's indigo characteristics. That is, crystals, I, I like to say indigos are like bowls in a china closet. They go through to bre- their purpose is to break up the paradigm of a society. Their purpose is not to straighten it out. The purpose is simply to break it up. The, indi- the crystals came in to, they go through and they break things up, but they don't destroy things in the process. And they repair things, et cetera. So that, that's, that's, interesting. The combination, that's the com- combination of energies that I see in kids, just a, as a story. Uh, just the other day, I went and had some physical therapy on my wrist. And the young lady that's doing physical therapy, I, I'm seeing her aura pattern. I'm seeing what she's doing. She's being very methodical and all that. You know. And I said, boy, you're very, very sensitive to energies. I said, not only you actually see the energies, you sense them more than you see them, but you actually see the energies. And she looked strangely at me. And I said, yeah, I, you know, and I showed her my website. And I got, she was very, very interested. So 
I am be working with her a little bit more to help her understand how best to utilize that in the field that she's in. <coughs> Excuse me. That's my purpose. <clears throat> it's interesting that you've categorized them in two different ways, Lowell. And you also describe the indigo children as having a defiance about them. So that goes along with what you're saying about the bull in the china shop. Now, is there a third category, or it's just indigo and crystal children? No, there's actually more than just three. I had identified indigos, crystals, and star children. And the star children didn't start coming in until the 2000s. Uh, The very first star child I I saw was uh, about a three-year-old. And the energy pattern, again, was different even than the indigos and crystals. It was a much stronger energy pattern. It was a much more, I'll call it, spiritually connected energy pattern. Uh, And when that child looked in my eyes, it felt like I was being nakedized in the sense of it could see directly to the soul and there's no hiding anything from the the, uh, star children. When babies look in your eyes and you feel like you're being stripped raw because you're being seen for who you really are, that's a star child. Mm. Uh, I was often uh, being told by them as well what star system they came from. And I just find that interesting. Uh, I know for me, for example, I am from Arcturus. I've always always known that since I was a child. I would go out when I was a kid on the farm and look up and cry and pray to go home because I want to go home to my star. Uh, But they often tell me what star system they're from. And the partner that I had, her grandchild, when she was born, she was about five months old. She was on my knee. Her head is away. And I mentally said to her, Peyton, uh, say, what, what, what star system are you from? And she turned her head and looked directly into my eyes and mentally said to me, Artura, same as you, Grandpa. Which oh, gave goodness. me a great feeling. But they are very purposeful. They are much more directed than uh, uh, crystal uh, than crystals. The lady that uh, that I am working with, she's probably in her 30s. She's beginning to show, or at least I'm, I'm beginning to be become aware of a star quality to her energy as well. It's very difficult to try to describe, but if I'm with someone else who sees aura patterns, I can describe what I'm seeing in the aura pattern, and they can relate it to what they see. And, and determine what they experience relative to that. These are, again, these are not labels. These are just terminologies that I have been using and others are using to try and describe the, the key thing, the most important thing is then taking that information and providing that person or those people a sense of purposefulness about what that's all about and what their purpose is in life. That's great. Well, it's a wealth of information. I'm so glad you're here with us, Lowell, because I know there are a lot of parents out there that are looking for guidance on how to work with your children, and they are coming in with new energy. Well, we're going to take a very short commercial break, and then we're going to come back and continue this very interesting and enlightening conversation. So stay tuned, everybody. You're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. 
Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my very special co-host. It is the psychic medium renowned George Lugo. 
And George, again, I can't thank you enough for being here with us tonight. It's so much fun well, to I'm have really you on here with us. It's well, great. Thank you for having and, me. Ah, my pleasure. Yeah, and really our Oh, good. Well, our guest tonight is also terrific, and his name is Reverend Lowell K. Smith. He is the author of a fascinating book called Growing Up Psychic, What Every Parent and Child Should Know About Psychic Sensitivity. So, Lowell, we were just talking about the different terminologies that you have used to describe the different types of kids that you've been seeing. But let me ask you, when you go to work with these children and their parents, now, you grew up in a different era. We also did, George and I. And, but certainly, things have gotten a little more tolerant today, we hope. So do you find that children and their psychic abilities are more accepted today? Yes, very much so. In fact, That's it's good news. Uh, when, I, when I'm in, in the store, I will see these little kids. Uh, and I was in Costco back in Virginia and this little, probably about three-year-old, uh, the mother was in line ahead of me, and he was hiding around her leg and looking at me, and I was talking <laughs> to him telepathically. Uh, and I said, yeah, my lights are different. Because one of the things that I experience with very young children, they will look at me, and George, you may have a similar kind of experience, and they have this wonderment in their eyes. They're not sure. And what it is, First of all, all children are born psychically sensitive, and they don't turn it off typically until about age six or seven. So as small children, they are psychically sensitive. They don't understand it necessarily, but they're very psychically sensitive. And our aura pattern, those of us who are very psychically sensitive and utilize it and develop it, our aura pattern is different than everybody else's. And it fascinates them. They don't. They know what they're looking at, but they're not sure what it means. And uh, just, I just laughed and I, I smiled at her and I said, uh, "He sees my aura, and it, it and it, it's different." And she says, "He talks about auras all the time." And I said, "Yeah, he's very. You know, kids are all psychically sensitive, etc." And then, as they were leaving, he turned around and smiled and waved at me because, and I <laughs> that. that so that's the kind of little stuff that you can do, people like myself can do to help them understand it's okay for what they're sensing. And most parents, and from my experience, are sort of open to that. Some are not, but you just have to gauge that based upon what you see in their aura pattern as well. Right. That's right. So well, true, this is yeah. This is great. A, a great help, I think. And thank goodness things are much more tolerant today for children who have this great psychic ability and intuition, so they don't get squashed like you did, like I did, George. I think you you were lucky. You had a mother who really encouraged you, right? Yeah, she was just trying to figure it out because all these things were happening, and she was just, you know, she felt kind of helpless. You know, like the only thing that came out in those days was. Uh, just starting to uh, talk about ESP, and that's about as far as it went. Outside of that, it was all, you know, devil worship and, you know, you're, you're possessed yeah. and things like that, you know. So it was really right. dark ages, so to speak. And that wasn't that long ago. We've come a long no. ways in a pretty short time. That's terrific. So. Now, um, also, Lowell, when you encounter uh, psychic children and their parents, do you instruct them about, 
maybe not sharing this with everybody because some people are not tolerant even today. Okay. Here's what I do. I look at the aura pattern of the parents. I look at the aura pattern of the children and I do a telepathic communication to the essence of who they are. And I ask my guides, what is the most appropriate manner for me to communicate information or not? Sometimes I don't say anything. Sometimes I just smile and wave or whatever. But when I'm drawn and told to, I will reach out and talk to them about their kids' sensitivity, their own sensitivity, because oftentimes I will see parents who are sensitive who've turned it off, yet they know what's going on with their child is somewhat what they experienced, but they don't know how to deal with it. And so I talk with them. Sometimes it's a two-minute conversation. Sometimes it's longer than that, uh, particularly when I'm in an airport or something like that. I will uh, talk to them. George, this, you'll find this interesting. The ones that I found the most interesting were uh, the very first one I experienced was I was at the mall in Washington, D.C., uh, and I was walking down by the reflecting pool, and up on the pathway was a mother standing next to a little baby uh, next to a stroller. And the father was walking toward the Vietnam Wall at that point. He was maybe 50 yards away. And all of a sudden, I hear in my head, how do you make this thing work? How do you make this thing work? And the baby started jumping up and down. And the mother began panicking. And the father came running back. And the baby was asking me, how do I make this body work? Because oh. it was a newbie. She had never been on earth plane before. Right. And, uh, I was not at the point uh, within myself to know what to do. So when she says, what did you do? Because the baby had never verbally mouthed anything for like 18 months or something. And all of a sudden she was trying to mouth and she was talking to me mentally like a chatterbox. But I couldn't (laughs) say that to them. So I said, baby, just love me. And that's the way I left it. But it was a fascinating experience. And then about four months later, I was in an airport in Atlanta and I saw this little girl down, you know, in one of those, uh, at the end of a terminal where there's, you know, several things. And she was looking under the seats, trying to figure out how they worked. And she was also a newbie. I'd never experienced that before. So within a very short period, I, I experienced two newbies. Now, I don't know if mm-hmm. George has ever experienced that or not. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Absolutely. It is fascinating. Very fascinating. Yeah, you're exactly right on that. Now, so, in the media, Lowell, we see a lot, of, a lot of interest in children with really special powers, I'm going to call it, telekinesis yep. and uh, those kinds of things that are uh, usually associated with somebody like Yuri Geller. But uh, what do you think about that? Have you met children who have those types of very pronounced abilities? Yes. Yeah, Mostly to. in the United States or in other countries? Uh, uh, both. Uh, I spent uh, 
two months in 1994 and two months in 1995 uh, as a design engineer with IBM in China, Beijing, China. And during mm -hmm. that time, I saw a number of children in uh, the Summer Palace uh, gardens uh, in my walks around Beijing and things like that. And I would telepathically talk to them. And uh, this one about three-year-old child was playing with uh, a ball and making it float and, and wow. pushing it up in the air uh, and making it come down slowly, you know, not at regular rate, et cetera. And uh, when he saw me, he grabbed it, and then he looked at me, and then he just turned around and started doing it again. <laughs> and my awareness was he was aware that I was aware and it was okay. <laughs> right. So he wasn't going to be reprimanded or anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's a fascinating experience. Yeah. Now, so that you saw happen in China. And yes. where was that, that child's parent? Was the parent nearby or he was by himself? There was well, actually the, the father was, that was with him was off walking a, doing a meditation walk. Okay. So he was entertaining himself with some telekinetic right. powers. Very cool. Right. Now, would you consider that child uh, a indigo, crystal, or star child? He was, was, he was a crystal child with a little yeah. bit of the star child characteristics. Mm-hmm. How interesting. And what about so here in the United able... States? Did you see anybody like that here in the United States? I have seen... Several things that I I know are abnormal. Uh, I'm not sure what it was I saw. Um, I saw a, a little boy make something appear and then make it disappear. And I don't know wow. if it was a trick of mind or what. It was in an open park. Um, and I was questioning whether I was seeing spirit manifesting for me or whether he, in fact, was doing that. And it seemed to me, from my perspective, that he was more in control of what was going on than what than it was simply a spirit appearing. But mm -hmm. he, he, made, he made an object appear out of space uh, and then made it disappear. And it did, wasn't something that just dropped out of the sky or like that. It just made it disappear. It went away. And then and there was a spirit from my perspective it looked like a spirit that made itself manifest so that people could see it essentially and i'm not sure if it was just me that saw it and this saw it or what but then it simply i'll call it dissipated you know like scotty says beam me up and etc and you see that thing? right that's yeah it, it just dissipated like that so Amazing. that is a a phenomena that i experience as as my engineering mind says i'm not sure what i exactly saw it's it's not normal but i can't actually validate what it was from a scientific perspective sure that's so amazing so so how old do you think that child was are we talking about a child about under the age of 10 about eight years of age eight years yeah wow so that is hey, well, just I have amazing a question for you I have a question Pardon? for you, Lil. 
Uh, I have a question for you. You're um, you're an electrical engineer, right? Correct. So you have uh, you have a, a somewhat a scientific mind of how things work, you know, all that stuff. Um, did you find yourself gravitating towards that as a kid because of what you did in, in the natural world? You know, these these gifts or abilities. So you kind of gravitate towards science to try to figure it out, sort of have no. that kind of a thing. Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> I just thought maybe that because of what you could do, you thought that maybe there was a scientific reason for it. So you started gravitating what, what towards that. Was when, when things started being revisited to me, when my mm-hmm. angel Lake Spite, who's my guardian angel, came back and said, time to turn the gift back on, I was literally on a walk back from, it was dark, from football practice. I was five miles from, from school, and all of a sudden, and I saw all kinds of ghosts and uh, overlapping time frames and things like that. So yep. that was yep. scary. Right? Um, yeah. How I became an engineer is really an odd story because uh, my first wife was the one that actually uh, encouraged me that I wasn't dumb because I was told I was stupid all my life. And uh, it was only when, when she started encouraging me and I said, well, uh, she asked me what I'd like to do. I said I could either be an engineer or a pi- pilot. And I always wanted to fly, but again, my dad told me I was too stupid to do that, so I never did try. And uh, when uh, I found out that I couldn't become a pilot in the time frame I needed to be, I was 23 at the time, you had to have two years college education of the equivalent, plus, plus a pilot's license with an instrument rating. I knew I couldn't do that in that time frame, so I and she was at Delaware at the time, University of Delaware. So I went to Delaware. I remember getting admitted, thinking I wouldn't make it, et cetera. I struggled like crazy through the freshman year. But by the sophomore year, I was on the dean's list and remained there throughout my you know, thing. And then had a full teaching assistantship uh, uh, scholarship at the University of Delaware, where I taught nuclear physics. Uh, wow. So I, that's how I became an engineer. And mm-hmm. all I can say is it was spirit's way of putting me technically oriented, right. really knowledgeable physics-wise in that, because I studied quantum mechanics, and my professor happened to be a, a professor that did his Ph.D. under Einstein at Princeton. Uh, and so I learned a lot, and it gives me the credibility to talk about what I talk about because I can talk about quantum mechanic-wise what the quantum mechanic understanding is versus what spirit understanding is. Right. Yeah, so that critical thinking did help. You know, it did define things for you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I have another question for you. Oh, Go uh, ahead, ahead. George. No, go ahead. I just wanted to know, okay, when you... um, access the Akashic Records, how do you go about that? How do you actually do that? Is it through meditation, or how do you do that? Okay. When, give you a little bit of background. My, when I was in undergraduate school, my wife was going to a lady that was doing meditation, guided meditations, and my wife told her a little bit about me, and she said, bring in one night. So I went one night with her, and this lady was doing a guided meditation, and she recorded these. 
And so when she says, I want you to look at the center of your forehead. And when I did, all of a sudden, I felt this whoosh kind of sensation. And I was up in the clouds. And there were thousands of light beings saying, welcome back, welcome back. And there were four guides there. And I'm saying, welcome back. I ain't never been here before. And they said, oh, yes, you have many times. And they showed me multiple lifetimes. And she's recording all this. That's why I know all this. And then they say, we want to show you this book. And I had never heard the word Akasha before. And they say it's called the Akashic Record. And it was a book, and yet it wasn't. It was strange. Uh, and they showed me, you know, these long keys where it has a big loop for the handle and the and the and the key part. Yes. I was shown, I was shown my hand on the loop part, and the key part was missing. They said you have part of it. Now you have to develop the rest. And that was about 1967 or so. Uh, 66, 67. And then uh, in the 70s, 73, 74 time frame, uh, one of my Search for God group people, their granddaughter who had died of leukemia, and they knew I had the ability to tap into spirit and that. So they asked me if I would uh, do uh, tap into her energy and bring information. So I said, well, I don't feel comfortable doing it consciously, so I'm going to do a um, channel meditation process for them. So I go in, and the very first energy that comes through is my Archangel Michael. And then he turns it over. He says, the more appropriate energy for this channel is Archangel Gabriel. And Archangel Gabriel came through, and then I communicated about their granddaughter described why she died, why she came in, and it said that uh, this mark that she had was a special mark, a special birthmark that she had, and that there would be, an, she would come back to the family, but through a different daughter. And they said, we only have one daughter who's capable of being pregnant. The other daughter isn't. So I, you know, Spirit says and that she would have the same mark, et cetera. So about six months later, oh, and at that time, when I came out of that meditation, I was told that I had access to the full access to the Akashic Record and was told, shown that I had a full key. So I can consciously access those records at any time now. So wow. six months later, this other daughter who could not get pregnant, was told by doctors she could not get pregnant, got pregnant. And the girl <laughs> that she brought in had the exact same mark on, on her body that the granddaughter that died had. And she wow. remembered that lifetime. And she began that's telling her great. grandmother about that. So what a that, great that's experience. How, that's how I learned about the Akashic Record. <laughs> Quite an experience, you know, Lowell. I I got I've got to commend you too because you know when you talk about people passing and then people returning and and all of that. You've had again. I want to go back to your life. 
because it, it was very torturous in so many ways with the the foster family and the abandonment by your mother and, and different things that happened. But certainly your father stands out as quite the meanie, and I'm putting it mildly. But yet when he died, you said a beautiful prayer at the funeral, and you released your connection with him. And I thought it was it was just really moving to read that part in your book that you you knew you wanted to put an end to it, but you did it so gracefully. So it's again, I want to encourage people to get your book and read it because that prayer that you offered is in it. But what what was it that led you to be so generous and open hearted with your father, who was certainly not that way with you? Uh, my constant connection to the angelic realm is what supports me. And Mm -hmm. knowing that I chose to experience that is what allows me to continue. Because as I say, my purpose is to be a channel of blessing to everyone I meet day by day. That's what I strive for. Well, you certainly are doing that. You really are, and you're doing a great job with it. But I was so impressed, especially with that part of the book, uh, because, I mean, I I had a very cruel stepfather. Uh, He was not to the extent of of yours, but pretty close. And, you know, it's I always listen to people who say you have to forgive and you have to let go, and I'm like, yeah, that's easy for you to say when you haven't lived through the, the types of things that you've lived through, Lola, I have. But certainly you've mastered that. You've mastered that completely. And what a wonderful thing to teach other people because you've lived it. Well, one of the things I tell people, how could I teach you that which I personally have not experienced? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely true. You know, I always used to say when I was a therapist, I can only take you as deep as I've gone myself. So it's the same kind of thing. But certainly you have so much to offer to people. I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you, too. And your website is reflectionsinlight.org. Again, that is reflectionsinlight.org. And the name of the book, again, is Growing Up Psychic, What Every Parent and Child Should Know About Psychic Sensitivity. So, again, you, you've just started talking a little bit about the angelic realm. Now, you call on Archangel Michael, but clearly you have relationships with the whole realm. Are there any other angels that you want to tell us about that you've worked with that have helped you to create miracles in people's lives? Well, there's... Uh... The entire, what, several years ago, when I was channeling Archangel Gabriel, at one point, I was doing a year-end channeling for my groups. Uh, and at one point, it said, uh, the, the channel will no longer use Gabriel, but will use what they refer to as the Council of Archangelic Energies. Hmm. 
And it is a literally a council of all 15 archangelic energies. Gabriel, uh, Haniel, Azrael, Ariel, uh, Uriel, all, all of them. And when I was doing that particular year-end channeling process where this happened, I went to a higher level, a different higher frequency level, I guess is the way I want to say that, when I went out. Because when I do deep channeling, I have this special process that they use where the Lord's Prayer is said, and then I find myself literally gone. Um, I don't consciously remember anything until I review the, the, the transcript or, or listen to the recording. So, but what happens what happened there was all of a sudden I found myself at this table and all of the archangels were at this table. And when a question was asked, I was aware of an answer coming from multiple archangels simultaneously. Yet it would come out of my mouth as a particular phrase or statement. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was just fascinating. I'd never experienced that before. So my work with the angelic realm is they are, I want to say, on call in some respect. When I, I was recently told about six years ago that, you know, and I've always said, archangels are not our, spirit, are not our guardian angels. And I, I stand by that statement. Yet, I was shown and told that if it were not for Archangel Michael, Archangel Gabriel, and Archangel Haniel being part of those that protected me when I was young, I would not have survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I believe that completely. So you've had a lot of guidance, and now you you talk about this. It's very interesting to me because it sounds a lot like Edgar Cayce, the sleeping prophet, that you go out completely. Yeah, so you're very akin to him, and he was certainly an amazing man that healed a lot of people with information that he received from these other realms. Now, you also have the ability to help people understand the source of their own health problems. How do you do that? Uh, how do you see? You see with your eyes, but you right. can't describe to me how you see with your eyes. Right. So I, it's hard for me to describe to you how I do that. I look at a body. I do a body scan. Well, I'll give you an example. When I was tested by the ARE for being an ARE certified psychic, Henry Reed sent me three sealed envelopes in another envelope, labeled one, two, and three. In there was a card where he had written out a question. Our, my job was to read the question telepathically, write my answer, record my answer uh, on a tape recorder uh, of that question, 
And then after I had done all three, then I could open up the envelope and see what the question was. And then if I had additional information. Well, two of the questions I read exactly perfectly. The other one question, I was aware that the question that he wanted to ask, he did not ask, but he asked this other question. So in my response, I said, this is the question that you asked, but that's not the question you originally intended. And when I got my uh, results back from him, his only comment was, well, you are right. I did ask the I did want to ask the question that you answered, uh, but the question I wrote, you also answered. So I was fine. But for <laughs> Carol Ann Lieros, I started doing a reading for her because it was a phone reading, tape phone reading. And, you know, I start my process and she says, no, I want a medical intuitive reading. So, okay, let me refocus. And so what I do is I focus on that person's energy. And then I mentally go over their body, each of their systems, their endocrine gland system, their circulatory system, their skeletal system, their, you know, all of their systems. And I just articulate what it is I experience and what I believe it means and other information that I'm being shown by my spirit guides and angels and that. How do I do it? That's how I do it. Well, it sounds very comprehensive. Do you sometimes feel it within your own body before you tell them what it is? Yes. And mm-hmm. and I've learned, George, not to take it on, but right. simply yes, right. it as, a, as an observation. Yes, exactly. That's right. That's one of your many talents. I mean, there's a lot that you offer to people, as I just said. And, again, you have access to so many realms. Now, you talk in your book also about the fairy realm, the little people. Are you still able to access that realm? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fun. George, you'll love this. (laughs) I was writing my book, and uh, I was writing about the fairies. And uh, in the house I had at that time, in the backyard, it was in May, the Ocotillos were in full bloom. And they have a beautiful, long orange flower. And I mm-hmm. saw this fairy that was a dragonfly-like thing, about six inches long. And uh, it was not humanoid and yet somewhat kind of thing. And I was telepathically communicating with it. And I asked, what is your purpose? He says, our purpose is to guide the fertilization process. So they influence the bees and stuff like that to do the pollination process to cause that process to happen. And when I was a little boy, I could see and and the the little people I used to play with all the time. And I have lots of stories about that. You know, I do love that because I had the same experience. I just never told anybody. (laughs) 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 Well, you know, it's interesting because with with the fairy people, I mean, people think that they're only just miniaturized, uh, you know, life forms. But I've encountered some, and maybe you guys have too, that are 
pretty large. I remember one time Helene was behaving badly, and Becky and Helene and I were all working together on something. And one of the fairy ladies stepped forward, and she blasted Helene with this energy, and Helene went flying backwards. Becky saw it, and she was like, "Uh uh-oh. She said, Helene, you better behave yourself. I mean, there's a lot of power in what these fairy people have uh, within them, and they're not all like six inches tall. Some of them are are pretty large, which surprised me. So I don't know if you guys have seen any that are larger, but my goodness, this one was quite powerful, and it taught Helene a little bit of a lesson that time, and it was really fun. But they are such a joyful group overall, right? Did you both experience that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Let me distinguish a little bit. As a child, I was very much aware of what I call the little people. And the little people are gnomes and elves, etc. Those are terms that are used for the, 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 I'll call it the characteristic quality of the energy of the being that is present. Now, clearly they are not in physical form but they are very much in energetic form. And some of us have the ability to experience them as if they are physical. Uh And I, I see them move. I see them. uh, I can be sitting here at my table, looking out in my, into my backyard and I can see them move from one plant to another, but those are little people. Their purpose is not the same as the fairy realm. The fairy realm is, is a different vibrational quality, if I can use that term, uh, from the little people realm. The little people realm do go from, from bush to bush and, and tree to tree, and their part is to uh, help with the growth process in each of those plants, etc. There's also the devas, which are the energy of the plants themselves, and uh, I think Caddy talked about this in the book on Finhorn. And I happen to have the unique opportunity of meeting her, her and Peter at the ARE many, many years ago and talking oh to her because she was the first person that I had ever seen or heard that I could actually describe them the way I had experienced them. And we actually got hushed because we were making too much noise in our talk. But uh, <laughs> so... The the little people are a different realm, and there are larger ones and there are smaller ones. I'm sorry to tell you this. The energy that I experienced as I tune into what you're saying in that was not a fairy that did that. That was an energetic being that is part of the little people beings, and they do have the ability to direct energy at or toward or whatever individuals as well when they see things are not correct now there that's are what happens yes there are some mischievous ones yes but there are not any bad ones let's put it that way not not yeah. from my right uh, now when i talk about the fairy realm though that is a much different kind of creature they from my experience they are butterfly uh, dragonfly like creatures Sometimes they are just energetic whiffs of energy, yet I'm aware of a consciousness awareness in that that I see moving from plant to plant. Uh, There is an energy that I experience them that they will interact with with, uh, 
the insects uh, influence them uh, in that regard. Uh, but it's all in alignment with natural law. And one needs to understand that. Uh, so, you know, if people tell me a story about this, this uh, evil thing happening, my sense is it's, they're tapping into a, a negative energy that they themselves have created, or at least drawn, them, drawn to themselves. It is not a consciousness that is evil doing something. That's a personal mm-hmm. opinion, but that's my experience as well. So I'll stop at that point. Yeah, that's terrific. I love your explanation of all of this and your personal experiences as well. Now, I know this is another thing you and George have in common, is you have both had experiences with UFOs. And how about you, Lowell, with aliens? Have you had personal experiences with ETs? I'm smiling and laughing because that was one of my mom's favorite things. Uh, she Ah. uh, She lived in the Detroit uh, Michigan area, actually Southgate, Michigan, and uh, it's down near Willow Run. And she got me involved in ETs, and she was mentally communicating with them. Uh, wow. And she was known by in her community. Uh, she would go out at night and call them, and they would come. Lights would come that don't move like airplanes and things like that. Not not actual ET ships, etc., that people could see. Although one time, and I tell this in my book, my sister and I were walking on Dick's Highway, and we saw a George Adamski-like UFO. And I say it that way because what he describes is pretty much what we saw. And... It stopped and it hovered. People stopped on the highway and got out and looked. It wasn't just me and my sister. Lots of people saw this. Two F-86s were scrambled. This was about 1956 time frame from Willow Run uh, and actually buzzed it. And it just stood, sat there, you know, no sound per se, yet I could see and was aware of an energy around it. Uh, uh, my sister is also psychically sensitive. She was aware of that as well. And she said, we've got to run back and tell mom. And I said, mom already knows about this. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden, when, they, when the jets passed the third time, it simply went off at an angle about 45 degrees, immediately disappeared at, at a rate I can't even imagine what it was. Uh, and the newspaper next day reported that uh, this sighting and uh, Air Force or whatever was saying it was an illusion, <laughs> but I knew it wasn't. Right. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Have, now, well, what about, have, have you had any missing time, or have you been up in the ships, have, or have you just had the experience of seeing them while you're on the ground? Okay. I have had the experience, and my engineering mind kicks in here, because, but I've had the experience of not missing time, but in a meditation or meditation multiple times, uh, being uh, telepathically or tele, yeah, telepathically, astrally, finding myself in the 
inside of one. Uh, mm. And I was fascinated by what I saw. And because when I, when I came back, I drew out what I saw. Uh, and there's a friend of mine who I become friends with, I should say, uh, Dr. Claude Swanson here in Tucson, who is a uh, PhD in uh, the general relativity field. Um, he went to MIT as a physicist and then went to Princeton and got his PhD in the general relativity group, the same as Dr. Price, my teacher. Uh, and for 30 plus years, he has been investigating all kinds of UFO psychic kind of stuff. Um, and he has a lot, he's written two books, one called uh, Synchronized Universe and one called Life Force, I think it is. Uh, but I've worked with him in this regard, and he is very much connected to the ET field as well. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. Whether I Yes, it does, absolutely. I mean, it just seems like there's a, a very natural connection between powerful psychics and ETs. And as Dr. Andre Puharich used to say, behind every great psychic is an ET. So I, that's why I asked you that question. And, yeah. and George, I know, I know you have had experiences oh, yeah. directly with the ETs. So that's why I had to ask you, Lowell. It's just what yeah. an exciting life you've had and you continue to have. And you're helping so many people. Now, do you ever encounter parents? where you see that they just don't know what to do with their psychic children and they're not open to this? How do you handle that? I force it. Basically say, the reality is, even though you can't see or sense what they are seeing or sensing, you need to understand it is real for them. And I can, and I can tell them things about their, what their children did or what their children said, etc., that blows them away because how can I know that? Right? Yes. Right. I do not shy away from that. I used to be much more shy about that, but I do not shy away from it because it is time for the awakening. What's happening right now throughout life? Things are being revealed that have been hidden for centuries, for years and centuries. Things are being exposed. There are things that are being exposed that people don't want to expose. But the energy of this time frame is an energy of exposure. And that's the purpose of the indigos, the crystals, and the star children, and whatever combination energies there are. Their purpose is to make truth revealed even when it's not wanted to be revealed. And if I may jump in for just a second on the on the New Mexico thing. Yes, please. I, you asked me before. I have not been following that. But as you were talking about that, the person that was taken out, that's the way I'll put it. Yes. Was taken out by the ET, not intentionally. Oh. The ET an energetic pulse that disrupted that person's organism or organisms. And when he was discovered in this quasi-comatose state, uh, they decided to 
implement uh, the continuation of that process. Oh, Who do they my. Uh-huh. Well, isn't it wasn't, that fascinating? Wasn't so it wasn't on purpose. No, no it, was, well, it was a defensive thing. Like yeah, a, scorpion okay. stings, a scorpion stings you. It, it doesn't have anything against you. It's protecting itself. Exactly. That is fascinating. Doesn't that make sense, George? It really does. And also yeah. what you said, is it came from within. And so that would make sense, Lowell, with what you just said, too, that it was a disruption of his his energy, basically, but it was just a reaction from the ET. That yeah, made being discovered and all that. Yeah. You know, I can only think about, you know, 100 years from now, this is going to seem so like wagon train stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah, what we're really. going to learn in the next hundred years from now. Oh, my Lord, it's going to be something else. Yeah. Yeah. So many exposures. Now, well, when you tuned into that, obviously you were able to pick up on some really great information. Uh, is there anything else that you found as you looked into this? I mean, like where the CT was from or what he was trying to do? Was he an escapee? Not that I'm willing to reveal at this point. Oh, darn. You better call me later. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll track you down. <laughs> yeah. Well, we thank you for this, though, because I know you said you hadn't been following it. You didn't know anything about it. But certainly this piece that you've added to the puzzle does seem to fit. So so it's really – we appreciate that. We really do. Absolutely. Because we do yeah, great. Don't you know the truth? My God, enough of be, being in darkness and having them try to throw us off base with these crazy stories that don't make any sense at all. So thank you for sharing that. Are you, are you in touch with David Wilcox? No, I have not been in touch with him yet. I would highly recommend that you do so. Do you have his number? I'll, I'll track him down. I <laughs> you will give it give to me later. That. Yeah, I'll give it to you in email. Okay, great. I will definitely track him down. He's somebody that we've talked about having on the show for a while, so that would be great if you can get me his number, and I'm sure our audience would love to hear from him as well. So, again, keep ta- keep talking to us. We, you, we could just talk to you all night, Lowell. You're just full of some wonderful, enlightening experiences and stories. Is there any child in particular that you think of that was really extraordinary that you'd like to share with us? Oh, God. Many, many. Um, what, there is a there is a student of mine, a uh, former student of mine, so I'm not there. Uh, she came with her mother to my Indigos and Sensors group oh, about uh, four or five years ago. And uh, she was just nine, had just, was going to turn 10 in like a month or so. And when they came in, uh, they were new. Uh, we go around, we introduce, et cetera. And typically with the way I facilitate that, I ask people questions and, or I'll do mini readings for people. And I could see her looking at me. So I started telepathically reading her mind, uh, not in an invasive way, but in an, in an open inviting way. And, uh, so I began talking to her about the things that she sees, the things that she senses, et cetera. And all of a sudden, her energy began changing. She said, it's almost like, oh, my God, I found my tribe kind of thing. Uh, Uh And she is a very advanced soul. 
more advanced than I am in many respects. Uh, uh, as sensitive as I am, but not with the understanding that I have uh, and that I've developed over my lifetime. And uh, her and her mom uh, had a website called God Manifesting, M-A-N-I, Manifesting, however you spell that. And, uh, but she is someone who knows her purpose, she, when she talks, the adults just open, drop their mouth and just say, my God, where's this wisdom out of this nine-year-old, ten-year-old kind of thing. And mm-hmm. her, mom, her mom was sensitive but has become much more sensitive as a result of working with this daughter of hers who happened to be highly chemically sensitive. And so she had to, you know, the foods weren't correct and all that good stuff. And so she had that, that challenge, as it were. But... She is a unique uh, individual, very highly evolved uh, physical being. She knows. And at one point I told her, I said, look, it's time to shut that off for now. I want you to become the little girl that you need to be because she was becoming too adult and not really enjoying her childhood process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... So she is one unique child. Uh, there are quite a few children that I've taught in my Unity classes over time where I knew that they were sensitive, but I didn't talk to them in terms of their psychic sensitivity. I talked to them in terms of their connection to spirit, their connection to the divine. And since I was teaching Bible classes and that, I would teach them what the Bible is really saying. And, and things like that. And one of the books that I used was Lessons in Truth, which is a classic unity thing. And in there are two chapters, one on denials and one on affirmations. And as unity teaches it, the affirmations are about affirming that which you want to create and experience in your life and affirmations about how to do that. And the other is denials. Denials and denials are not denying the reality of experience, but denying the power of that process or that experience to cause you to be different or change how you react in life. And I taught these kids how to create their own affirmations and their own denials. And over, you know, 20 years later, they would come back to me and they said, That's one of the greatest things you ever did for us. You taught Aww. us how to, how to manage our own lives essentially so I, I yeah that's tremendous that so now do you offer classes to psychic children and their parents or how, what do you offer because I know people are texting me they want to know what kinds of classes and, and individual work well, that you I, offer n- now that I'm on this radio show uh, uh, I'm thinking that there might be the possibility that I could uh, op- uh, create a Indigos and Sensitive uh, group here in the in the Tucson area. I'm open to doing that. I tried to do it through other, uh, that is, I tried to get that process, the Indigos and Sensitive paradigm for creating groups like that uh, in, in other cities and have never found the, the, the one thing that it requires. It requires who is someone who is psychically sensitive 
and who can leave their ego at the door. Right. right. And, and that's a big, big thing that I find difficult. When I go into, a, into like a psychic fair and see, for me it's always fascinating to walk around and see who is a really genuine psychic and who is just doing it for the money. They may be psychic, but they're only doing it for the money. Uh, and those, uh, in, in fact, there's one, there was this one young lady who was doing readings and she was hesitating like crazy. And I just stopped to her and I said, look, you are far more psychically sensitive than you're willing to admit. You have mm. this crazy sense that there's a responsibility that if you say the wrong thing, you've done the wrong thing. And I said, you set your intention, you set your heart, dear father, mother, God, help me be the channel of blessing I need to be with this individual. And then you just go from there. You allow spirit to speak through you. It's not your consciousness. It's getting your consciousness out of the way and allowing spirit to speak through you. That's a great message, and unfortunately, Lowell, we've run out of time. I mean, this has gone in the blink of an eye. So great to talk to you on the air, and I know our audience has really benefited from hearing your wisdom and your personal life experiences. And again, the name of your book is Growing Up Psychic, What Every Parent and Child Should Know About Psychic Sensitivity. And your website, where people can get a hold of you, is reflectionsinlight.org. And if you want to become a part of an indigo group or star child group or crystal child group with Lowell, be sure to get a hold of him. And maybe PK can help you with that, Lowell. So until next week, everybody, uh, this has been great. George, thank Thank you so much for for joining us. This has been so much fun, you guys. You're all hard, man. Thank you. Yeah. This has been great. So next week we're starting Spooky October, and we're kicking it off with a Hollywood ghost hunter. Don't miss it. We'll see you on the Blue Highway, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Again, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, uh, is Lowell still on? No, he still just dropped off. He just oh, okay. dropped. Okay, thank you. Sorry about the coughing. I was every time I go to breathe, I want to start coughing, and it's like, oh my god, I got to shut oh, up. Oh, you don't poor say thing. No, I so. I know that that happens sometimes, but I just wanted you to know because it's it came across pretty loud, so I just wanted you to know about it so you could cover your yeah. mouthpiece. Was that second half? The second half better? Because I was trying to. Oh yeah, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, hear, I didn't hear anything. Oh okay, yeah. I put the phone down every time, and oh man, it was just catching me off guard. So, what did you think of this guy? I I really enjoyed him. I thought he was really interesting yeah. and really good. I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised. I think PK will be sorry she missed this show, but I yeah, know she's he was great. Yeah, she's going to get together with him because since they're both in Tucson, so so that'll she be will. great. 
Yeah. Well, I tell you so, what, again, I mean, you're an amazing interviewer. Like I said, it's like going huh. to the proctologist, you know. So <laughs> you're, you you dig deeper. You dig deeper than most, you know. So you're really well, good at that. You're great. And you do it with such grace. And you're wonderful. Well, you asked some really great questions, and I was thrilled that you were here with me tonight. It, it really was pleasant, i got to tell you. I enjoyed Thank it you. so much. Thank you. Me too. So go have your cookies. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my God. I've already tried a little bit of everything, and they're absolutely oh, fantastic. So, oh, yeah, great company. Oh, man, thank yeah. you so much. So, you're you know, so jumped good. into it before I did. I said, can <laughs> I have a bite, please? And she's like, not this. Oh. I said, oh, yeah, come on. we got to share. So, um, oh, anyway, yeah, oh, thank you so much. Oh, and she thanks you're so you, too. Welcome. So. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. I, I wanted you to know how I was congratulating you on your move and everything. That's no yeah, small totally accomplishment, nice. that's for sure. Yeah, thank you. Well, look, thank you, so well, you much. Thank, All right. thank you, George, and keep in touch, okay? we got to get together with Kai Moogie, the guy from what? Germany. Uh, oh, i got to yeah, send you information definitely. on him. He, you will love him. He is amazing very powerful physical medium. So I'll send you some stuff on him. And he's on Facebook. You can become a friend of his on Facebook, and I highly recommend that you okay. do. You'll be able to see his apports and the stuff that he's doing. It's really groundbreaking. Okay, that sounds great. Hey, what happened yeah. to um, um, oh, the the textbook lady? What's her name? Um, uh, oh, Quincy, the Mighty uh, Quinn? The yeah, Mighty Quinn? The Mighty Quinn. Her sister, the I I told you. Yeah, her sister has cancer, so she's taking care of her. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so, so that's okay. distracting yeah. her from doing anything right now, but hopefully she'll join us at some point. God, man, there are so many people that I know right now that are dying from that, you know? I know. It's awful. It's just awful. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. You better take care of yourself, too, that cough. I'm a little worried about you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it just came on yesterday. It started to come on last night. I had a little bit of trouble, you know, breathing, going like, man, what is, what is this? Where did this come from? But I see so many people. That's part of it, you know. Yeah, and right. They come in here and they're coughing and hacking. And, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, boy. Well, take care anyway. of yourself. Thank yeah, you. I stay away from you people can. for that very reason. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Keep away. Smart move. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank well, you thanks, again. Well, thanks, Thank you, and you have a great night. You too. Thank you. Talk to you later. Okay, hon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.